Most of us start out our relationships in a place of blissful enmeshment. Not all of us, but most of us. And it's fun while it lasts. I mean, kind of fun. But in the end, you have to navigate the process of differentiating, becoming your own person again in your relationship in a way that's healthy for you and for the relationship. Today, we'll talk about ways to communicate that foster this kind of development to help you in your own relationship and, if you're a therapist, to help you in your practice. Also, reminding you that we are doing Relationship Alive live on Saturday, October 12th here in Portland, Maine at the State Theater. And this time, we are featuring none other than Drs. John and Julie Gottman. You'll get the opportunity to ask the world's top relationship experts your questions to grow your ability to do relationship well in real time. It's going to be a powerful night and seating is reserved. So visit neilsatin.com slash live show to get more information and to get your tickets. Now, since we're talking about communication today, I just wanted to remind you about my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. These are the kinds of things that will help you connect with your partner, no matter how challenging the topic that you're communicating about. Just visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 to download that free guide. It takes a village to keep things going here at Relationship Alive headquarters, and I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank those of you who have recently supported the podcast with your donations. Kent, Sarah, Morgan, Mira, Joseph, Ruthanna, Marie, and Timothy. Thank you all so much for your generous support. And if you are finding Relationship Alive to be helpful for you and for those you love, please consider contributing whatever feels right for you, because every little bit counts. Just visit neilsatin.com slash support, or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And lastly, if you'd like to connect with others who listen to Relationship Alive in a safe space where you can talk about what's going on for you and get support, come join the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. Okay, that's it. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. On today's show, we are going to have a return visit from some of my favorite guests, Pete Pearson and Ellen Bader. They are here to dive even more deeply into the developmental model for relationships and why it is so important for you to understand where you're at in terms of your development, both as an individual, but definitely as a couple. And also uh, to talk about a new series that they're offering for therapists that will be great for you if you're a therapist in terms of boosting the way that you work with couples in your practice. Uh, we're going to talk more about that, but I know that they 
uh, elicited feedback from their audience of therapists about some of the toughest issues that they deal with in sessions with couples. And they put together a free series around that. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to ask them some questions about how to know where you are in the developmental uh, status of your relationship. And we're also going to give you a very valuable uh, way to structure how you communicate with your partner around a sensitive topic, something that we haven't covered in quite this way on the show before. Um, Ellen and Pete have both been here before. If you want to listen to their episode about lying in relationships and how to cultivate a culture of honesty, you can visit neilsatin.com slash lies. If you want to hear more about the developmental model, you can visit neilsatin.com slash development. Those are the two episodes that they were on prior to today. And uh, if you want to download a transcript of today's episode, then visit neilsatin.com slash, let's see, what should we call this one? Let's call it uh, development two. I know that was really tricky. So you can visit neilsatin.com slash development two, the number two, and that will take you to this episode where you can download a transcript or you can always text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Uh, that is it for this moment. So let's dive into the conversation with Ellen Bader and Pete Pearson. Thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. It's always fun to talk to you, Neil. It's good being here, Neil. Thank you. Yes. And I should know this by now, but Pete, is it okay to call you Pete? Should I be calling you Peter? Should I be calling you? Okay, great. Petey. Um, (laughs) So uh, let's start with just this. I, I I want to give a quick overview of what, what we mean by the developmental model. I want, if, if people really want the nitty gritty, then you can go back and listen to uh, the first episode. But just so, just to give us some context, um, the, the two minute elevator pitch, um, that's a really long elevator ride if you've ever been in an elevator for two minutes. But um, anyway, let's start there. Sure. So we look at relationships and healthy relationships as going through a series or potentially going through a series of developmental stages. And I'm going to give you the really shorthand version of it. But, you know, people meet. Ideally, often they fall in love. They have what I call a temporary psychosis where they just focus on each other and the grass is green, the sky is blue, everything is wonderful. And I know all relationships don't start out that way, but many, many do. And others start out more gradually. But the, the developmental task of that first stage is putting a boundary around the two of us as a couple and knowing, you know, making the decision to be a couple, whatever that means to the two of them. But it's a commitment to that relationship. And then after people are together for a while and we see this happening generally anywhere from about six months to two years, uh, the partner gets taken off of that magical, wonderful pedestal and people start to see their differences. And that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. It's not a bad thing. Many couples get scared when this happens, but it's inevitable that you're going to see more aspects of the other person. 
Um, I use a disco ball in my office when I'm talking about it with couples because all those mirrors on the ball represent different facets of ourselves. And those facets get shown to each other over time. And so this is a stage of differentiation. It's a stage where differences arise. And the task is to learn how to be open and authentic with each other about what you think, what you feel, what you desire, and to be able to hold still while your partner does the same thing. And then to learn how to manage those differences successfully. And so there's, you know, that's a short version. We could go into a lot more detail, but basically there's a lot that's going on in terms of the personal growth of each partner during that stage. Yeah. So this actually brings up a question for me around this process of differentiation, because I think that in that psychosis that you mentioned, that often a lot of partners, they they start making agreements or presenting uh, ways of being that maybe when it comes right down to it, aren't truly authentic to who they are. They do a lot of compromising for the sake of the relationship. And, and, and then when they come back around to this process of differentiation, there's this sense of like coming into integrity with each other and with themselves around what they really want, what they, what are the ways that they signed up for the relationship that actually haven't been working for them. So I'm wondering how common it is for you to see people going through healthy differentiation, really getting clear on who they are, on what their authentic truth is, and then looking at the person that they're with and saying, whoa, I'm actually not sure that we're meant to be together. Now that I'm differentiated, now that I'm not in the psychosis, wow, there are these things that maybe are represent ways that we're not compatible um, how do you, how do people frame that? Of course that happens. And, yeah. you know, ideally, I mean, probably that happens a ton when you think about people who date and they get really excited about each other. And then a few months later they realize, oh, well, this is not really the relationship for me. Right. So some of that going on there, it's much. Sometimes I will ask a couple because they are challenged. They, when they come into the office, and they talk about all the differences that they have and the problems those differences create. I will ask them, I say, hey, would you like to be married to a personality clone of yourself where all the differences just magically disappear? The vast, vast majority of people say, actually, no, I would not want to be married to a personality clone. And one person said, I would have all my problems times two. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's first recognizing the value in the difference. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm wondering, within there is something about learning how to love another person in the way that they're different from you. And, and to feel like in the ways that it jars you, that it's, um, that it maybe isn't in total alignment with what you would want or who you are as a person, that there's some way to navigate that that's healthy, um, versus just kind of exploding it into, well, I guess we're just not 
meant to be together. Right. I mean, the the challenge and what goes on when people are developing a what I call emotional muscle or a stronger backbone where they can hold on to their authentic selves. But it also means being able to do what we call other differentiation. It's what enables you to learn more deeply about your partner, be more giving at times when it isn't convenient, but it's it's not compromising core aspects of yourself. And that's why some couples, especially in the differentiation stage, but even later too, will have a really tough conflict to handle and deal with. And some people will want to run and flee really quickly instead of hanging in there and learning how to stay open to yourself and to somebody else, which is something that most of us have never learned or never been in relationships that are interdependent and require you to be um, open and giving at the same time. Actually, Neil, there's there's two examples of this. One is couples will often say, well, we don't want to argue in front of the kids. We, we should have a united front. And the downside, there's, I can understand their intention behind that. But the downside is the kids then do not see how their parents disagree and work it out in front of them. And that is such a priceless gift when parents finally get it. Oh, we can disagree not only in front of the kids, but they can watch how we come to a resolution on that. And boy, if that's not a priceless gift. Um, The other one is that just just in our relationship, um, Ellen, between the two of us, Ellen is a lot more organized she likes more consistency uh, going through life. And I can get a life-changing idea every time I take a shower. <laughs> now, what could possibly go wrong with that system? Yeah, so we have to, we've had to learn how to navigate our differences for sure. Yeah, see, I wish you could see the look that Ellen gave Pete when he started talking <laughs> about this. <laughs> but see, here's the key when somebody has differences is – If I have to tone down my life-changing ideas, am I compromising a set of values in me? And the answer is really no. It's more like a series of interests, what I'm drawn to. But it's not, I don't organize my life around uh, creativity, much more expansive visionary thinking, et cetera. It's an interest, it's a concern, but it's not a core value which then makes it easier to create adjustments when there are differences. Yeah, I'm wondering if you have any hints on, in a circumstance like that, how could I, as the person who's thinking like, wow, um, you know, I'm, I wonder what Pete's going to say the next time he comes out of the shower. Um, <laughs> well, what I, you know, I'll answer that because what I had to learn was how to, give him positive recognition for great ideas and still say to him, focus, Pete, stay focused. (laughs) And then I had to learn how to hear Ellen telling me to focus without feeling like I was being controlled. Um, And I also had to learn that when I have a new idea, I will say to Ellen, now, wait a minute, this is just a brainstorm idea. 
Uh, so if I go to Ellen and I say, what do you think about moving to Australia? Because I just saw a National Geographic special on Australia. And I say, now, wait, three days from now, I'm not going to want to move there. But let's just talk about <laughs> why it might be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, Ellen, for you in in this, how do you – I mean, it feels a, a little challenging as as an example because it – it seems obvious how this doesn't conflict with your core values, but I'm curious to know how would one sit in a moment of tension and decide, is this about my core values? And that could be true for either person, right? Or is this more about something that can be adjusted or worked around? Um, well, let me say that I think First of all, that sometimes people jump to that question that you just put out too fast. Mm -hmm. It's like um, the more that I am sure that I won't compromise on core, core values, the more open I can be to any of Pete's ideas because I know I'm not going to get completely caught up and swayed and go down certain paths that I don't want to go down. So it the, the ability to really explore the other person's world and the other person's reality is dependent on how centered somebody is themselves or how differentiated they are themselves. So, I mean, you know, core values tend to be things like, you know, I don't believe in hitting kids or I don't, you know, I'm not going to discipline my children by hitting them. Whereas somebody might say, well, for me, it's fine to spank and whatever, Th those kinds of things, you're not going to get a compromise on. Uh, religion is one that very often you're not going to get a compromise on. But there are so many things that people think, like one other quick example, I had a couple that I was working with, where he desperately wanted to live on this beautiful island off the East Coast where they built an incredibly unbelievable place that they lived. And she wanted to move, live in California where she had lived before. And they were at a standoff for probably 13 or 14 months about where they were going to live. But I kept saying to them, we're going to stick with this and find out what matters to each of you so much about each of these places and that there is a solution. I have no idea what it is. You have no idea what it is. Um, but there are core values that are embedded in this that matter to each of you a lot. And that's what we need to uncover to make a good decision. Mm. And, and it's that ability to live in the uncertainty that's so hard that leads people to quickly get divorced or give up or feel, you know, throw their hands up in despair. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm hearing in there like a really valuable question, such as, um, what is it about this thing that really matters to you that might help people unearth the values embedded in uh, something like a choice? Yeah, like that's, where to that, that's right, Neil. And when you say, what are the values embedded? Often, there are multiple nuanced layers to that question, but people want to rush to the answer because it's, it, it creates anxiety or tension to live in that pressure. So they want to hurry up and rush to it. But there are a lot of nuanced layers to that question about why something really matters to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so 
that leads me to something that we had chatted about maybe sharing with our audience, which is a tool that you use as therapists and and it's also a, a tool for people in relationship around how to communicate around a particularly challenging thing that involves these prescribed roles, the initiator and the inquirer. And I'm wondering if we could just take a few minutes to describe that process, which um, seems like it would be so powerful for people having that exploration with each other. Um, I'd be glad to. I, I'd like to frame it first by saying that the most common problem that couples come to therapy with is the problem of saying we can't communicate. We have a communication struggle or a communication issue. Great. And as a therapist, I know that it's not just a simple behavioral change that's going to make them be able to communicate more effectively. Mm-hmm. And so the reason Pete and I developed the initiator inquirer process is it is designed purposely to do two things. One is to help communication. But the other thing is it does help people develop new capacities, new abilities in themselves that they didn't have before that make them a better communicator. Got it. Right. It, so, it requires you to to be more differentiated in order to even engage in the process. Engage effectively, yeah. Yeah. In that sense, it goes way beyond just a technique or a tool to talk about things. Great. So basically, we teach couples two very different roles. And we say, you know, when kids go to kindergarten, you learn to take turns. But as adults, (laughs) when we have stresses or problems, we don't take turns. We're both like hammering at each other. Uh, And so we divide it up into one person is the initiator and the other person is the inquirer. And the role of the initiator is to bring up one issue and only one issue at a time and to say what they desire, to say what they feel when they bring it up and to avoid name calling, to avoid blame, to avoid, you know, any negativity. And then the most important part of that role is to be open to learning more about yourself by the time you're finished talking than when you started. Now that's pretty unusual. If I have a conflict with you, I'm not interested in learning more about myself. <laughs> <laughs> that explains why it was hard for you to be an initiator for a while. Or an inquirer. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, as Pete just said, it's not easy for people who, you know, because it's it's more natural to just blame and want the other person to change and not be open to learning about yourself. So that's the initiating role. The inquiring role is the role for the listening partner. And when I'm teaching this to a couple, I'll say, you know, there are real challenges in this role. The first thing you got to do is listen. And that means you're actively listening to understand you're not, you know, listening, but all the time you're thinking about how you're going to prove your point. Uh, So you listen. We teach people to be curious rather than furious. So you ask questions and the questions are designed to have, like if I'm asking Pete, it's to get a deeper understanding of what he's communicating to me. The third piece, which is really hard, but is to respond with empathy 
And to be able to stay with empathy until you get what we call a soothing moment or that moment of connection and contact where Pete feels like I really get him or I get what he's communicating to me and I've let it impact me because I can be empathic about what's being communicated. And then we recommend, you know, a break and then you can switch roles, but you don't want to mush everything together. So there's not clarity about what belongs to each person. So that's, you know, that's a quick shorthand. We work with continuums. We help people see what uh, they're developing in themselves to get better at it. And, but it's, the process is used by therapists all over the world. And it's probably the most widely used part of our model because they get to see how powerful it is for couples. Yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing as the important components from the initiator side being willing to really get to what you want or what your issue is from a self perspective. So not being in a position where you're blaming the other person, but focusing in on what is going on within you. That's, that's a challenge or a problem. And that's um, difficult, Neil, what you just expressed right there mm -hmm. is get clearer and clearer about what's important to you and why. And so many people grow up with almost nobody encouraging or supporting the expression of what you want or why that's important. And so as adults, it just gets layered over and layered over. And it's surprisingly difficult for so many people to be clear about what it is that they really want. Yeah. And so the flip side of what's so important about this is that the person who's the inquirer, along with the empathy that you named, which is clearly really important, is this sense of like, I'm asking you questions so I can understand you better, not so I can pin you down, not so I can um, get my point across. Um, it's not, I'm not asking you questions to make a case about something else. I'm asking you questions that are about really unearthing helping you dive more deeply into who you are and like we were talking about before, what it is about this thing that really matters to you. And also, Neil, what you're saying right there is on that side of the coin, extremely difficult. Uh, a lot of people think, well, geez, if I really start knowing what's important to you and why, then I'm going to have to give up what I want or change what I think or change what I feel. And so there feels, it almost is like there's a self-preservation against knowing much more about what it is that your partner wants. The, they are simply afraid it will intensify the conflict, and sometimes it does. But And getting to that empathy pushes development. It pushes people to get out of themselves and understand another reality. Ellen and Pete, we just need to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsors, who each have a special offer for you as a Relationship Alive listener. Now, I don't know about you, but it's important to me to smell good without overpowering other people with fragrance and without subjecting myself to harsh chemicals. That's where native deodorant comes in, with fewer ingredients that are easy to pronounce and found in nature – 
and completely free of aluminum, which may be linked to some serious health ramifications. They also offer free returns and exchanges in the USA, so there's no risk to try them out. And Native Deodorant comes in a wide variety of subtle, enticing scents for men and women, along with an unscented variety and a baking soda-free variety if you have sensitivities. If you've heard me talk about Native before, then you know that I put them to the test, using their unscented variety without having a shower. And I found that it not only worked right away to neutralize any odors, it was still working at the end of the day. And like I mentioned, they have a special offer for you. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code ALIVE during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase when you visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code ALIVE. Our second sponsor for today is Noemi, and they have a special offer for you on their exquisite jewelry. Basically, if Amazon Prime and Tiffany's had a baby, it would be Noemi. Their pieces are made to last a lifetime, so they're perfect for today, and they're an heirloom that your family will treasure far into the future. Noemi handcrafts their jewelry in the finest materials, reclaimed 18-karat gold, conflict-free stones, and lab-grown diamonds, and it's all priced as fairly as possible because they cut out the middleman. Also, they ship to you overnight for free so that you can try it on and have up to 60 days to return for free with a full refund. So basically, trying something from their site to see how it feels on you and looks on you is completely risk-free. It's the easiest experience the fine jewelry industry has ever seen. And as I mentioned, they have a special offer for you as well. Head to hellonoemi.com. That's the word hello, followed by N-O-E-M-I-E dot com. And use the coupon code ALIVE for $75 off your order today. That's $75 off with the coupon code ALIVE at hellonoemi.com. Our third and final sponsor for today has a special offer for you to help you get exactly the kind of support that you need as you're creating that web of support that we talk about so often here on the show. One way that allows you to connect with a professional counselor in an online environment that's safe and private is today's sponsor, BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. Along with scheduling video or phone sessions, you can also chat and text with your therapist. Their affordable and financial aid is available for those who qualify. So whether it's anxiety, depression, your relationship, anxiety or depression about your relationship, stress, grief, dealing with trauma, or simply figuring out how to communicate what you need to communicate, whatever it is, definitely consider BetterHelp as a way to help you transform the places where you are stuck. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option because as a Relationship Alive listener, you get 10% off your first month with discount code ALIVE. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash alive. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and to get matched with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash alive. And thank you, Native, Noemi, and BetterHelp for supporting sweet-smelling, well-adorned, and well-supported relationships and this episode of Relationship Alive. 
Now, let's get back to the conversation with Ellen Bader and Pete Pearson. It makes me think, too, of your work around lying um, and your book, Tell Me No Lies, uh, because this is one of those moments where it seems so important to be fostering an atmosphere that invites truth-telling, so that when you're asking your partner questions, they feel like they can answer answer you honestly without being, you know, beaten over the head by what they're yeah. saying um, or the or the person's response. So there's that that aspect that's challenging as well of hearing things and learning how to not take it personally um, or to to deal with the the emotions that arise when you're hearing things that are challenging. Yep. Yeah, I mean, relationships are a place where an enormous amount of growth takes place. And if you have the expectation that your primary relationship is always going to be easy, effortless, and enjoyable all the time, (laughs) you're in for a tough ride. That doesn't happen? (laughs) (laughs) Not too often. (laughs) So you alluded earlier to the, the series that you're doing and we've been talking about communication and you said that one of the the biggest things that that comes to a couple's session is when couples think that their problem is that they're not able to communicate with each other that all they have to do is learn how to communicate better and that's one of the topics that you're going to discuss in this five day five part series um and I, I happen to have the list of the other topics in front of me, so I'm just going to name them for people so that they can hear. Do you um, want me to do it, or yeah, go ahead because to- you can probably talk about it with even well, I, more. Insight. Yeah, let me just create a context. As Neil said earlier, I surveyed therapists about tough things that they struggle with, and then I um, I wanted to put together this five part or well a series of training that would help. Um, therapists learn more about what the developmental model can do for them and why. And so I'm doing three live webinars starting a week, uh, starting Monday, September 9th, and going through that week. And the the first webinar, the point of the first webinar is really uh, clients don't always tell us what we need to know about why they're having trouble. They'll present a problem like we fight about clutter or, you know, or um, he's never home on time or whatever it is, but you don't have a window into seeing their developmental stage and the level of differentiation. And so the first webinar is designed to help you with an exercise that will show you how to see better what you need to know. And I'll be showing a video of a couple that I worked with using this particular exercise. Um, The second day is actually an article and a clinical transcript, and it's about power struggles because so often people get stuck in a power struggle. And this particular one is a case that Pete uh, worked with, and it is power struggling over parenting and how to parent. And then the third one is the we can't communicate. It's a video example of showing how to work with a couple when they come in and they believe their problem is communication and you want to take it farther and deeper and more vulnerable and more open 
and how do you get there and how do you help them see that it's more than just communication. And I just want to mention too that being able to see you work with other couples is so valuable, I think, as a therapist and, and a training exercise, but also as a couple, um, being able to see how some another couple responds in a similar kind of situation and how a therapist interacts. Um, just there's so much uh, juice there in terms of informing how we respond in relationship as well, along with how we respond as as counselors and therapists. Yeah, and we tried to pick some cases that have common problems so that people who watch, like you're saying, Neil, can benefit. Um, in the first case, it's a blended family who are struggling with blended family issues. Um, this case I just mentioned is one where they say we can't communicate, but they've had um, some alcohol problems. They've had some other deeper issues that weren't on the surface. Um, the fourth the fourth day is another article and transcript, and it's with me working with a narcissistic husband who had really dominated most of the sessions and was not somebody who had been willing to look at himself. And so I chose the transcript of a session where I was really pushing him around being open and looking at himself and not being not not externalizing everything onto me and onto his wife. So that's the fourth day. Cool. Um, and then the very last day is another one that I get asked about a lot. And that is in the aftermath of infidelity, you often have one partner who is obsessing about all the details of their partner's affair. And they want to know, you know, where did you meet and where did you sleep and how much money did you spend? And it, that constant kind of obsession it can be very hard to deal with in sessions. And so it's an example of me working with a couple where the wife was doing that and how to turn that into a positive direction rather than having it undermine your work. Mm. Wow. They all sound like super powerful <laughs> things to witness and to, to learn more about. Um, if you are interested in participating in this five-part series that um, Ellen is doing, are, you, are the two of you doing that together or is it just you, Ellen? Who's I'm doing the webinars, but uh, like I said, Pete did one of the transcripts for one of the articles. Oh, right, for- right. Yeah. So um, you can visit neilsatin.com slash institute. And it's institute because Ellen and Pete together run the Couples Institute, which is their center for information for couples, for therapists, and their training course that they do um, because they have a a big course that they do for therapists to help them learn how to work with couples around this developmental model. Um, Ellen, can you give us the full name of the course? Because it's it gives you a lot just hearing the name. You know what it's about. Uh, sure. Um, just one thing before I do that: the yeah. series that I'm ta- that Neil was just talking about will be available online until September 22nd. So if one of your listeners hears this a few days after we've started, they can still sign up and get what they missed up until the 22nd of September. Great. And I think it's important to mention, too, that this five-part series is free. So anyone can sign up, uh, neilsatin.com slash institute, and you'll be able to 
to uh, get access to these trainings for free. And the name of the course is the Developmental Model of Couples Therapy, Integrating Attachment, Differentiation, and Neuroscience in Couples Work. And it's a course, I, I love doing this training. It's an online program. There's therapists in it from all over the world, coaches too, uh, from all over the world, really. There's people from 35 different countries. And it's designed to help you learn how to benefit from knowing the developmental model and using concepts to get you unstuck and to keep forward progress happening in your couple's work. So very powerful. And, and I'm always amazed as even when I revisit your work to in in preparation for one of these conversations, I'm always pulling new stuff out and being like, oh, like I I know I read that before, but there's like another gem of information that so there's so much uh depth to what you're offering and um and you can tell just from the title of the course that it's very comprehensive in terms of merging development, attachment, neuroscience in a way that's really practical uh in the uh in the therapist or coaching office. Thank you. Yes. One quick question going back to the initiator inquirer model. I was wondering if you have any suggestions for people on how to switch directions. Cause I think that can sometimes be one of the, the troubles where one person feels like, well, I'm always the one who's trying to understand my partner and I want them to understand me for a change. So are there ways that you found that work to invite that switch? Well, First of all, one of the things I like to say to people is that um, the person who actively initiates the topic, and that can be to say to your partner, is this a good time to talk? Or I have something I want to talk about. The person who takes the risk of initiating ideally is the initiator. Then when they're finished, you can take a 20-minute break up to a two- or three-day break to come back and do the other side. But if there's somebody who's never initiating as their therapist, I'm going to be working with them on what's getting in the way of you initiating, because there are many people who are just reactive and they wait for their partners to bring it up. And then they say, but wait, I want to go first or it's my turn, but they won't do that active initiation. So I try to cut that out by really getting people to take that accountability and ownership to initiate for yeah. themselves. It almost seems like then the the real potential issue is uh, helping get the inquirer to really want to sign up for asking questions that are about unearthing understanding as opposed to just reacting, responding. And ironically, the initiator could say to their partner, if this person does most of the initiating, honey, there's something I would like to talk about, which is, it seems to me, I'm the one who continues to bring up dot, dot, dot. And it would mean a lot to me if you brought up stuff about yourself, for example, dot, dot, dot. And I want to be in the role of listening and being curious and understanding your struggles a little more comprehensively than I do. Uh, that would help us, I think, create a stronger union, uh, maybe a stronger team, and work more collaboratively, shoulder to shoulder, going forth in life. So knowing more about you, I think, could help us short-term and possibly long-term as well. Perfect. 
Well, I see that we're bumping up against our hard stop for time. And even though I would love to chat with you more, I think I'm just going to have to save my other questions for the next time that we talk. Um, but in the meantime, it's always such a pleasure to have you both here with us. Pete Pearson, Ellen Bader of the Couples Institute. If you want to uh, take part in their free series, you can visit neilsatin.com slash institute. Or to download the transcript of today's episode, visit neilsatin.com slash development two. That's the word development and the number two. Or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And we will have all the links for you um, that we talked about today on the uh, show page. So that is for you, Ellen and Pete. Thank you so much for making it work today. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you, Neil. It's always enjoyable to talk to you. And, you know, there probably will be a next time sometime we get together again. Yeah, I hope there is a next time, Neil. Like Ellen says, it's always good talking with you. The time goes fast. And I just want to give another shout out to you, Neil, for all that you're doing, bringing these messages uh, to the professional and to to the public lives. So a shout out to you for doing all your work, Neil. Thank you so much. I I appreciate that reflection a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.